This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund, once again without Kim Grinolds, who is, uh, I guess, doing his thing back <laughs> Enjoying east. himself. Enjoying himself, exactly. So uh, he will be back for spring game, and but this is our last practice for the media. So it was day 13, Wednesday morning, got a lot of good work in, the weather held up, it was a little breezy at times. But Not for too the bad, most, yeah. Yeah, for the most part, it was a really good day weather-wise, so they got a lot of good work in. And uh, kind of felt a little bit like Monday, Scott, in the sense that there was a bit of a mixed bag with the quarterbacks. Although I think the one thing that kind of differentiated itself today's practice from Monday was the fact that the defense got a lot of turnovers. Yeah, the defense, uh, I don't think, did they have one on Monday? Yeah, I think there was one, one turnover one on Monday, yeah. and, but today they had five. They had um, three three interceptions. Those were all in T. Uh, actually, one was or two of them were in seven on sevens, and um, but uh, team uh, one in team, and that was to end practice. And then they had two uh, fumble recoveries, one in team and one in nine on seven drills. So yeah, well, the um, the one that finished practice was. Kind of that, you know, for anybody that watched the Oregon spring game and saw Mikel Wright, you know, kind of end their quote unquote spring game with a pick in the end zone. This was a, this was kind of a, wasn't necessarily a similar play, but it definitely was one of those turnovers that ends practices mm-hmm. and really left uh, the defense on a high note. It was a, a ball thrown. I can't remember if it was Hainer or. It was, it was Hainer. It was Jake Hainer. And uh, he threw yeah. it, and I don't remember who it was intended to, but. Uh, again, Cam, Cameron Cameron Williams, Williams, yeah. Cameron Williams stepping in, making a great tip. And uh, Kyler Gordon with an even better uh, play to dig it out before it uh, before it hit yeah. the ground. So uh, you know, and we'll we'll get to Cameron Williams here in a second, but um, he had a really good day today, I thought. But um, you know, Kyler Gordon picks it off right before it hits the ground, and and uh, the defense goes crazy and mobs him, and and uh, that basically you know they blew the the horn, and that was the end of practice. So um, you know, great way to end it for the defense, but you know. It wasn't indicative of how the day went. I, I don't think, even though all they had five turnovers and everything like that, I don't think it was indicative of of the offense struggling. I think the offense actually had a pretty good practice today. Yeah. I was going to say, too, before we get to the play of the day, I mean, there was one clear play of the day, and we can talk about whether or not there's going to be any kind of ramifications down the road for what we saw from it. But I'd say overall, and you, you pointed this out, and we've pointed it out earlier in, in spring as well, when the defense is going, obviously they're chirping. They're talking. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm on that sideline. But when the offense hits a play, whether it's a touchdown play or if it's a big play over the top or something, man, they come alive too. And so when that happens, the dynamic between both the sidelines, uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah, and you know, you, you talk about the defense chirping and doing all their stuff when they're, when they're playing well. The defense, and they made this point on uh, Monday when we talked to the defensive side of the ball, regardless of what happens, the defense is always going to bring that attitude and that that um, just you're not going to beat us. You might have beat us on this play, but we'll, we're going to keep talking to you because you can't do that consistently against us. And so we're going to always bring that attitude and that energy. Whereas the offense, I think, um, you know, you could say it's they, they get down on themselves or they hang their heads a little bit. Sometimes I think when it's it just gets real frustrating, it it compounds and it adds on to each other. So when they start making plays, that actually adds on to each other too. And that's when you really get the, the game feel or as close to a game feel as you can get 
in a practice because both both sides are just going at each other. One, you know, they're one throwing a haymaker, one's throwing a jab. You know, all that different stuff. It's it's uh, it's it's fun to watch, and that's probably the most interesting part of practice when that happens. Yeah, and it'll be interesting again. You know, Chris Peterson, those guys, they always talk about going back and watching the tape. Uh, you know, when they are kind of trading blows like that, and it's a, a real even kind of Steven type of thing at times. I, I guarantee you that's going to be fun to watch for them. The one thing that really is kind of cool for the media, though, watching on the sideline, is just to see how it ramps things up and the dynamic mm-hmm. where you feel like, okay, it's the defensive state. Oh, no, wait a second. They just went over the top. You know, this total, this could change things. And, and, and if it's done during a team period, they're driving. Can they, you know, can they capitalize on that? Can they turn it into a score? There's so many different ramifications to it and so many different ways that they can turn it into a real positive. But again, I think everyone is, is probably of the opinion, at least I am, and I, and I think you are, is that when the offense is struggling, there's, they still, you have to understand, they're still probably going up against the best defense they're going to face all year. Yeah, if it isn't the best, it's in the top two. You know, it's in the, one of the top two. So, and these guys see it every day. They, they're used to those routes. Alex Cook has said it several times. I played wide receiver. I know what routes they're going to run when the formation is this way and, and different stuff. So he knows what's coming. He, I'm sure he's imparted some of that to his, his secondary teammates as well. So, um, you know, it's, you always have to, to look at it with the caveat of if the offense does well, then that means you're not happy with the defense. If the defense does well, you're not happy with the offense. So it's it's a really yin and yang for Chris Peterson and the staff, um, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing when these two sides can, can throw punches at each other, take them, and then come back. Right, no doubt. And then uh, obviously we talked to the quarterbacks mm-hmm. after practice. Um, you certainly get the sense that there's there's great competition in that room, but it certainly doesn't feel like it's anybody's really taking it personally at this point. You know, especially talking to a guy like Jacob Beeson, he's so kind of cool and and unflappable. Anyways, he's just gonna let it roll off mm-hmm. and, and just you know, hey, we're 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 guys that we like to be around each other. We're good teammates. We're good friends. Um, but when it comes out there, we're not necessarily rooting for each other. We we just got to take care of our own business. And I thought that was kind of an interesting comment that they're they're looking at it as a team thing, but at the same time, when you know how can one guy get on a roll when they're having to split reps with four other guys? Yep. He's just like you can't think about it that way. You know, the only thing you can think about is just trying to take care of your own business, and then you know take the mental reps when the other guys are out there. Yeah, and that was one of the questions we asked at the beginning with him was how hard was it to keep your head in the game when you knew you couldn't start you had no chance to play last last year year, yeah and and he said there was a little of that but you know I was also doing my best to run the scout team and and get my reps in there and and he goes last year I didn't get a lot of live reps and this year I'm getting a lot more and and I feel I'm feeling a lot more comfortable and it's coming along for him you know I didn't talk to Jay Kaner today uh but uh, because that was you who did that um but um, you know, I talked to him at the beginning of, of spring ball and I asked him about what it's like battling with these, with a guy with the reputation of Jacob Eason, who's hometown hero, all that kind of stuff. And he just said, look, he goes, I, I've gone up again. You know, people have doubted me my whole life, you know, when I'm playing because of, he's not a very big guy. He, you know, he's done a lot of this stuff. So he was, people have doubted me and I just go out there and I can only do what I can do. 
And um, today was not a great day for Jake Hanner, but I don't, you know, the coaches are not going to look at one day and say, oh, well, that's it. You know, Jacob Eason's going to be our guy. It's going to be the body of work and, and how he, he has played really well up until this week. I think this week has kind of been a down week for him. But up until then, you know, he had been the best quarterback in camp by far. And um, so for the last week, it's been kind of Jacob Eason who's been the better guy. And honestly, I thought Jacob Sermon had a really good practice today. I thought Colson Yankoff did some nice things. Uh, Dylan Morris only got a couple live reps. So we, you know, it's, it's really, you know, anybody who's wondering about how he's progressing, it's so hard when he's just not getting very many reps. And when he does is with the third unit. So he's getting it with several walk on offensive linemen. He's getting it with a, you know, an experienced running back and everything like that. So, you know, it's just, it's so give and take and, and things like that. But I, I really like where this quarterback competition is going. Earlier on, I would have said, ooh, not good. But as this has gone along and, and we've seen it, um, I'm, I'm really encouraged by the, the work that both of these guys are doing. And, and, uh, I think Washington is going to be in a better spot because of it. And, um, uh, Bush Hamden today, I talked to him and, and he basically said, yeah, our, our guys are doing what we need them to do. And he goes, there, there's still improvement to be made, but I like the progress and the steps they've taken so far. Right. And I think that's the only thing you could really hope for is that again, to, to, re, to echo what you were saying early in practices in the spring, it was the defense was, was not just playing well, but they were dominating certain aspects of the, of the practices. As you've gone on, I think if you're, you know, if you're obviously a fan of Washington's offense, you got to see her going. Okay, are they going to make steps to improve? Are they going to take the necessary things in terms of going up, getting getting better, getting more consistent, making better decisions, all those kinds of things, especially with the quarterbacks? And I think you've seen that. I think that's fair to say that the offense is a lot closer to the defense in terms of their level of execution and in terms of what the coaches need to see out of them going into summer than they were, you know, five, six practices ago. I think it's – I wouldn't say it's light years better, but I'd say it's it's been noticeably better. And it hasn't been just with the quarterbacks. Obviously, we can't t- talk that much about the running backs because you just don't see them in live situations. But I did talk to Keith Bonifat at length. We'll have, a, we'll have a podcast up with Keith a little bit later today. You know, and he just said, look, you know, it, it is difficult. But, you know, building skill is the most important things uh, for us as running backs this spring. And it's still, there's a lot of things that he can evaluate. Pass protection is huge during spring. How, how, how well have they done there? And I think he's been pleased with that aspect of things. But in general, I think you can say the offense has certainly made strides. Let's move on to the receivers. How well do you think they've contributed to the overall offense getting better as a unit? Well, um, we have we even really talked about the big play today? I mean, we had mentioned it, but I don't think we actually said what happened. Basically, Jacob Eason finds uh, Andre Bocelli down the the far sideline from where we're standing. I guess it would be the east sideline of the east practice field, and he beats Dominic Hampton for we we guessed it because where the position was, we couldn't really see exactly what yard line it was on, but yeah. we we figured it was about a 60, 65 yarder. Yeah, well, I mean, we you have to understand we're not in a stands, yeah. so we get no idea of depth perception. We don't necessarily. We can't tell on a flat mm-hmm. line where the hash is, for instance. But yeah, it looked yeah. like, and, and that's the thing when it's coming from a guy like Jacob Eason, you know, it's on it's on a line, it's over the top, it's not one of those where it's going to be a jump ball situation. I mean, he threw it on a, you know, he threw it perfect. Yeah, and now the one thing I'll say is he uh, didn't it didn't come off his hand very good. Um, it was a little wobbly 
because he usually so, throws a pretty tight spiral, and his was a little wobbly today. I, I'm just saying, imagine what it could have looked like if without it being a wobbly pass. You know, I mean, it was he threw that perfectly. It was right out of the reach of Dominic Hampton, who is a very good cover guy. And uh, Andre Bocelli beats him for that long touchdown. Um, he did it. He did it. He had a long connection with Bocelli in uh, on Monday too, down the side, right sideline, the one closest to us, the going the other way. Uh, so those two have kind of formed a nice little uh, big play tandem going on. And then uh, Easton also had the 80 yarder to Terrell Bynum at the beginning of uh, the spring. So you know a lot of the biggest plays have come off of the arm of Jacob Eason. There's no doubt. Oh, so we, we but we were talking about receivers. I'm sorry. So the receivers. I thought the receivers played pretty well today. Austin Osborne continues to flash. Looked really good today. I thought Marquis Spiker had a pretty good day today. Um, Chico McClatcher actually had a nice catch around the goal line, but ended up fumbling. Um, and and I I still think he was down. Peter, I think that was a quick horn by Peterson yeah, because I think, I think Chris, I think he wants. Them, yeah, he wants, he them, wants them to, yeah. to get fired up about that. And he yeah, wants to use, I think he wants to use that. I think. Yeah, because the, the referees were there and they were calling it down. They were even said it was down. So, um, but I thought McClatcher had a good good day. Um, Trey Lowe just continues to just do his steady thing. And I asked Junior Adams afterwards what it, what it will be like to incorporate Ty Jones and Aaron Fuller and possibly Quinton Pounds into that room now. And he said it'll be great that we'll get that kind of productivity back. But he said the nice thing is, he goes, looking at it positively, he goes, I wish I could have worked with those guys all spring. Yeah. But he said, looking at it positively, Austin Osborne, Marquis Spiker, and Trey Lowe all got reps that didn't get that might not have gotten reps as many reps. And so he said, you know, Austin Osborne, he said he's going to play this year. I mean, obviously he's going to play this year. He's a redshirt freshman, but I mean, he he says he's going to play a lot for us this year because he just knows how to run around and to get open. And and I think that's a real big thing. I think Junior Adams pretty excited about what what he's seen developing, and he's like, but we still got you know we've got we've still got two more practices in the spring, and then we got all off season to work because he says we still have a lot of way long way to go. Yeah, and we've also we've talked a little bit at length at, at, at times during spring about the tight ends being a threat mm-hmm. downfield. Did you see some of that today? Not as much as we say, had. One thing. One thing we should say is that part of practice today. Instead of it being more down scoring from the red zone, it was more of trying to get out. Yeah, in you know trying to you know they started off on a two yard line, I think, right? Right. So they had a, a couple yeah. periods where they were trying to get out of their own end zone. So again, that was another feature that just happened to, to land on today's practice in terms of things that they were working on. But you could tell. I, I thought at times I, I saw some of the tight ends do some things. Obviously, Hunter Bryant again features. And um, he's going to be an absolute weapon when it comes down to it, and everybody knows that. Um, it'll be just interesting to see how that relationship develops with these quarterbacks mm-hmm. as they go on. But did you see anything uh, that was different today? Um, from the from the tight ends, not as much. No, um, Kate Otten, You know, um, I said I mentioned it to you. I've always thought he was a better run blocker than a pass blocker, and he got beat off the edge uh, today. Um, by was it Ariel Nata, I think, who got the quote unquote sack on on Hainer would have just destroyed Jake Hainer. Didn't see him at all coming off the edge, and and I think that was against Kate Otten. But you know, overall, the the tight ends have been solid this spring, but today wasn't one of their better days, or at least a day where they showed 
how good they can be. Yeah, we haven't talked much about the offensive line in the last couple practices. I will say um, it's been pretty consistent, other than the fact that Mateo Mele has been out the last couple practices. So that means that Henry Roberts has been getting some reps at the left tackle. But again, you know, Trey Adams, Luke Wattenberg, Nick Harris, Jackson Kirkland, and now. Jared Hilber is pretty much ensconced at that number one right go- or right tackle position. Those guys have had a lot of work in. The one thing I will say is that it is interesting that, that Cole Norgard is getting a ton of work at the number two center right now. I, I don't know if it's to, to, to save Nick Harris at all a little bit physically or just that, that Norgard needs the reps, and, and that's fair because you have to have a, a capable backup center. But uh, when I see Nick Harris walking around like I walk around and like you walk around sometimes, it's like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be able to make it. He just he – just, he, he it looks, looks painful. It looks painful. He looks. He's walking around like an old man, like me. And I, but and, then he gets out there and he gets it done. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think I think he's learned. He's he's starting to master the art of like kind of maintaining him, himself and mm-hmm. and uh, and and not having to um, you know exert himself off the field at all. Like he's going to like mm-hmm. take it real slow off the field. But once he gets between the the, the lines. Uh, the light comes on for sure. Yeah, and and I would say that about Nor- Cole Norgard. He, I think we said it on Wednesday, on uh, Monday's uh, podcast. He has improved so much as a snapper, and it's something he had never done before. They were all over the place at uh, last year when we watched him taking snaps at as a backup or even second backup center, and uh, it, it was it wasn't pretty there for a little while. And now they're consistent. He's figured out how to get it in the range where they want them and, and stuff. They Scott Huff told me, you know, they have about a, a two-foot, you know, target for them to hit. And that's what they're looking for. And um, he's consistently in that, that little box that they want to be in. And uh, I, I've been very encouraged. You know, as far as the rest of the guys, like you mentioned, Chris, um, uh, Henry Roberts at the the second left tackle. Then you have, but the two guards have been uh, uh, MJ Ale and Victor Kern. And then the right tackle has pretty consistently been Henry Benavalu with the second group. And then um, I think Corey Luciano took some snaps with the uh, the second uh, with the second unit. Yeah, so. I was going to say that that group that that those two deeps have been pretty consistent. But Mele has been obviously in the mix at mm-hmm. the left tackle spot, but. And then even taking some center snaps as well. Uh, moving to the defensive line, uh, the one thing you noted to me uh, before the podcast was just you feel like Sam Taimani continues to factor into that 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 first team mix. Yeah, absolutely does. Um, was getting in the so it was John Clark and um, Levi Onwuzurike uh, as your number one group, and then you had uh, J- uh, Josiah Bronson and um, and then Taimani as your second group. And then the third one was Scrampos and Jason Scrampos and Mosiah Nasili Liu. That was kind of how they did it. I didn't see Thule get out there at all in the team sessions. I could have missed it because where we're positioned, it's not easy to see everything. But I don't, I don't remember seeing him out there in the team drills. He was doing individual drills and, and would work and things like that, but just wasn't getting out there in team. And a lot of that's just the rotation they want to get. Back to Taimani, though, he also rotated in with the first group as well, and I thought he acquitted himself well. He isn't going to be a guy who's going to consistently get you pressure on the quarterback, but he'll hold strong at the point of attack and be able to stop the run. But he's sneaky. He's kind of like – he isn't exactly like Greg Gaines because Greg Gaines I thought was a pretty good pass rusher for a guy who was more of a one-tech 
tech, or, you know, zero, whatever you want to call him. Um, Taimani isn't going to get that kind of pressure, but he's more, he's just as explosive off the line of scrimmage, but it's more, um, getting, get, getting into the gaps and things like that rather than getting upfield. And so, um, you know, he's playing his role really well. He knows what he needs to do and he goes out and just plays. And I think that's helping him a lot. One guy you didn't mention was Benning. Potoi. Yeah. Was Benning just rotating? With Benning the was rotating with the ones, but it was more as an outside linebacker. He did he did get down in a in a four eye five you know five tech uh, area where where he needed to be and everything like that. But you know he's he I think he's still feeling his way with that with you know playing inside. I don't think he's um, I think he can do it. And I think he could be pretty good at it. I just don't, you know, when you haven't done it before, it's just, you know, on a regular basis, especially in rundowns, because he did it in passing downs last year. But this year, it, he's doing it every down. And it's just, it's a little bit harder. Plus, when you got Mateo Mele, or I'm sorry, uh, MJ Ale, and, you know, guys that size going up against you, outweighing you by close to 70, 80 pounds. I mean, it's not an easy gig. No, it makes sense. And I would also say, too, that given the numbers they have, especially mm-hmm. an outside linebacker, I think that's something that people should probably look out for is the fact that Benning might rotate a little bit with the defensive ends and defensive line as opposed mm-hmm. to outside linebacker. Just like, you know, uh, Edifuan Ulofoscio and Ariel Nada have been rotating a little bit inside-outside. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to create some some situations where maybe some of their more hybrid-y type athletes Hybrid, hybrid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a word. Hybrid hyphen Y <laughs> yeah. can get more playing time or get more options and, and can be used maybe in more specific down and distance type situations. Um, the other thing I would say too, um, also about guys like Sam Taimani and those guys in general, if they're really doing their job well, mm-hmm. it'll show up on the outside. And I think, as you kind of pointed out a little bit already, Scott, one of the things that I thought was really indicative of that front seven today is they were really getting a lot of great pressure around the ends. Yeah. And it wasn't just guys like Joe Tryon and Ryan Bowman, who you expect, but you mentioned Ariel Nada. There was a couple other. I mean, it just felt like the, the, the pocket was collapsing maybe a little bit more than what we've seen so far in spring. I don't disagree with you at all on that. Um, you know, we talked about uh, Ariel. His was the most explosive one because that would have – I mean – that would have been if anyone remembers the Drew Bledsoe being hit by uh, Donald. Um, not who's that? Tommy Smith. No, the other one. Donald Jones. Donald Jones. Yeah, Donald Jones coming off the edge and hitting him on a side yeah. where on his open side, not from behind. It was on his open side, and that exactly would have been what would have happened to Jake Hayner today. I mean, it was it was going to be bad yeah. if if they they didn't really even blow the play dead. They they let him go through with his throw and everything like that. But oh. Ariel Nata, I just remember seeing him out of my peripheral vision and going, who is that? <laughs> well, because the way it works yeah. is that, you know, he's trying to emulate it, but all he's going to do is just literally sprint past yeah. Hayner. Mm-hmm. But you can envision, like you said, what it would. the oh. flashbacks of, of, like, if he's hitting him in the strike zone when, mm-hmm. like they're taught, that could have been vicious. Yeah, it was going to be a bad one. So um, I thought uh, Joe Tryon had a pretty good practice today. He, he, you know, he just stands out so much because of how big and long he is, and you just don't see a lot of athletes like that at that position out here on the West Coast. Those are more of the freakish SEC guys that that show up. So that that's what's impressive about him. As far as uh, Ryan Bowman, you know, he just 
goes about his business. He's not a guy who's going to blow you away with what he does. He just is going to do it really well. Everything he does really well. And he just does that. So, uh, the outside guys, I thought were the, the edge, edge guys were pretty good today. Yeah. Inside, I don't think much has changed in terms of the rotations. It feels like Bob Gregory is really just because of the numbers they have, not having DJ Beavers, for instance, and knowing they're going to have a guy like Daniel Haymuli coming in, who I think, given their number situation right now, could stand an excellent chance uh, of maybe fe- uh, featuring at some point during the season. But you're really looking at Kyler Manu and Brandon Wellington at that one. You look at the, the redshirt freshman group of MJ Tafisi, Jackson Sermon together. They and played then, a lot today. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, Ulafosio was in there with, with Josh Calvert. Those guys seem to be a natural pair as well. At least it feels like these pairings are starting to become uh, part of the deal. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's just something that when maybe – uh, Gregory is trying to establish some sort of partnerships and 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 those things because we know how communication is so important inside. Yeah, and and you saw guys rotating in. Josh Calvert actually rotated in with the twos. Uh, Jackson Sermon rotated in with the ones. So there was a lot of different things going on there. Jackson Sermon, I think, continues to flash to me. I think he's going to end up moving out to outside linebacker because they're going to find a way to get him on the field because he's smart. He knows how to play uh, the run and the pass. He does both pretty well. I think where his his probably he's probably at his weakest rushing the quarterback, and I think that's and if he ends up playing Sam. While the Sam still rushes the quarterback in Washington's scheme, it isn't like a buck where they're expected to do it. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they end up using him. But, yeah, I, I have just been really impressed. Considering the youth and and the lack of experience there, and there's some people who are on the sidelines and saying they're going to take a step back linebacker-wise. People don't understand how good Ben Burkirvan was. And maybe they're talking to me because they know that I've been Ben Burkirvan's like – of of all of everybody, I've been the one who's probably been the quote unquote hardest on Ben Burkirvan, and um, I still love Ben Burkirvan. I love the way he plays the game. I just thought there could be more that was gotten out of that position with a person who is more physically capable of doing some things. But um, these guys are physically capable of doing those things, but they don't have the instinct, the natural instincts and, and experience of Ben Burkirvan. And I think that's where some people are a little nervous about the way the middle of the defense is going to be this year. The the main three storylines that I saw coming out of the defensive backs today is first of all, kind of a mixed bag because they had all the, the, the takeaways uh, except for Calvert, but Mm -hmm. all the rest of them seem to be all kind of defensive back based um, so you can't, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Jimmy Lake's always going to say, what are the two things we got to do? We got to get the ball back and score, or we got to get the ball back. You know, those are the two things that are most important mm-hmm. for that defensive backfield. That said, they did give the, the plays, a couple plays over the top. They did give some plays down the field that we really haven't seen so far this spring in terms of the number. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the first thing. The second thing was, again, the continued, re, the, the continued emergence of Cameron Williams. And just, I continue to be more and more impressed every time I see him. It literally feels to me like he's taking the step almost every practice. Like you can almost literally see him improving in front of our eyes, which I thought, it, it, you haven't, it, it's, I, I may be overspeaking when I say this, but it doesn't feel like we've been saying, you know, like we've been, um, you know, talking about it in terms of another player, like like there's another guy out there where we've literally been seeing those kind of jumps and improvement, mm-hmm. right? And then the third thing too, I thought was uh, was 
a guy like Julius Irvin coming in, finally starting to be able to kind of do some things because he's now he's getting healthy again and he's starting to get in, in the mix. Were there some other things that you saw? Yeah, so um, so let's talk a little bit about Cameron Williams first because he's, like you, for me, he's been the standout of camp only because I wasn't expecting very much. Yeah. And he well, is, when we say standout, we're not saying he's better than – Everybody else. I'm just saying, for a guy where we thought he would be to where he actually is, he is so much further along than any of us thought he would be. And he looks like a guy, he might not start. I doubt he'll start. But he's a guy who they could plug in there with and play the entire season. And I think that, I think if you're at, if we have people who are always asking us who, who are the, who are the freshmen who aren't going to redshirt? Well, last year they redshirted everybody. And with the four game rule, you're going to rule out a lot of guys burning redshirts nowadays because they'll, unless they're really, really good and worth it. Well, Cameron Williams, I think, is really, really good and worth it. Uh, he's probably going to play in every game this year. That being said, he played in as he was more of a strong safety. I don't want to call it a strong safety, but he was more of the safety that was closer to the line of scrimmage, whereas Brandon McKinney was backed off in more of the center field role. Um, and so that with the first unit, he uh, Cameron Williams got most of his reps with the first unit. Uh, Miles Bryant would rotate in with him, and they would do different things. The three corners for the first unit were were um, Elijah Molden. Um, today was Dominic Hampton with the first unit, and um, Keith Taylor. So those were kind of those guys were constant, and so was McKinney. And then Bryant and and uh, I'm doing all these hand signals. Bryant and uh, uh, Williams were the ones who were kind of rotating in with each other. And then with the second unit, I think the one that was most stood out to me was that Isaiah Gilchrist moved up to the slot corner um, nickel spot and Julius Irvin had come in as more of a center fielder. And then you had Alex Cook playing more as a closer to the line safety. And then you had um, Kyler Gordon on one side and uh, Dustin or uh, who's Bush, Bush, Dustin Bush, Bush, um, over there on the other side. That, that was kind of the way things played out with the second group. And that honestly, that, that, that group, even with Dustin Bush, because I think he's been a pretty good walk on for them. That group, I don't want to say would start for everyone in the Pac 12. Obviously, that wouldn't be the case, but that group would be, would be playing quite a bit at every other team in the Pac-12. Yeah. And they might not get that many reps here at the University of Washington just because of how deep the group is. One guy that obviously has made that move, Alex Cook, we've talked about him, you know, briefly throughout all spring. Um, you know, you talk about him playing a little bit closer to the line. It seems to me that seems would be his natural position mm-hmm. just because he is – arguably one of the most physical guys back there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. The only reason I would say he's better as a center fielder is because he's long, a little bit longer, and he's got great ball skills. And I think when you have a center fielder, you want a guy who's going to read the quarterback, what he's able to do, and then be able to get over and make a play on the ball, depending on which hash he's on. So um, it really just depends. But I don't don't see that being – out of the realm of possibility, what you were saying, where he'd be closer to the line just because he's a little more physical. And, and, and to add on to what you're saying too, Scott, we were talking a little bit about this off the years, that he's a guy, because of his experience with receiver, 
he knows the routes. Mm-hmm. He understands. Okay, if they're in trips, they're going to do this. Or if if they're in, you know, if they're if they're doubled on both sides, they're yeah. going to probably do this. The slot guy is going to probably go this way. If if the route concepts mm-hmm. haven't changed since last year all that much, so his innate workings of what the receiver with the with the receiving tree is all about. That has to help him down the field, don't you yeah. think? Yeah, it does. The one, the, the areas I've seen him struggle, and he's not d- struggling with it as much anymore, was protecting his legs. And they have that one drill that seems like Jimmy Lake and, and Harris run it every day. And it's the one where they take one of those long pads, and as the guys come up like they're going to come up to stop the run, yeah. they throw the pad at them, and the, the goal is to keep their hands down and sh- and how they keep the defender off of their legs. Well, right. they, so they don't get cut. Because So they don't get cut. Well, Alex Cook and Cameron Williams um, struggle with that because they had never really run those drills before at the beginning of spring ball. Now both of them are running it really well and doing exactly what they need to do. And I think that's something that if he can get the run part portion of how to stop the run and how to take on blockers and, and you know do all the things that he needs to do for his run fits – because when the defensive backs are out of line in their run fits, it isn't just a five to ten yard gain. It's a it's a fifty yard touchdown run. So the as, as important as the linebackers and the and the D linemen are to do their part, it's I mean you get the big plays off of the uh, defensive backs being out of their run fits. Yeah, I was going to say too. Um, you know, we there weren't a ton of recruits today. No. But one of the guys that was there was also a guy on Monday that we were trying to figure out who they were. As it turns out, Michelle Powell from mm-hmm. O'Day, who's a walk-on defensive back that's going to be coming in the summer. To me, I mean, I haven't seen much of him play other than obviously the tape that you can get on Huddle and whatnot. But physically, man, he looks the part. 6'1", 195. Six, uh, I know he's six one, might be 200 pounds now. He looked like a safety to me. Yeah. But he's actually going to come in and play corner and some nickel for Washington, and, and he's really excited. Um, when he and I talk, he uh, has already been um, a, uh, enrolled, um, not enrolled, um, accepted by the business, uh, the business school, which that rarely happens. Usually you apply after your freshman year. Um, he actually has already been admitted to the um, Foster Business School, so that's pretty impressive. He could have gone to a lot of different places. Decided to stick close and 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 play close and um, and it's where he wanted to be and where he wanted to and he said my goal is to come in here and challenge for playing time as soon as possible. So uh, he'll be here on the twentieth. Uh, he said he was going to be here on June twentieth. I think that's when the leap uh, program starts. And um, he's excited. He is really excited. He loves Jimmy Lake. He loves Will Harris. Loves Chris Peterson and the Built for Life program. His family um, is is very much in the bank for him being at the University of Washington. And, and if you just go by looks, how he looks, um, he's a scholarship guy eventually down the road. Yeah. No, I mean he definitely on the on the hoof. He looks the part for sure. Um, no, so again, like I said, not a lot of recruits. Uh, at the practice today. There, there was another one, but we just couldn't recognize yeah, another, who he was. Uh, maybe another O'Day player, hard to tell, that may have come with mm-hmm. Michelle, but um, definitely a lot of uh, some former players, former mm-hmm. coaches that were here. Chris Torney was here. Chris is going to be coaching in Sask- at Saskatchewan of the CFL this summer. And then um, obviously Randy Hart was also there. Dick Baird was there. And then former players, obviously Hugh Millen was there. But then Hillary Butler was there, which yeah. was great to see. 
And then also Tim Cowan, the former quarterback. He's been there, there. quite a bit, and yeah. He's been there a bunch of times, too. And then we had both of the voices of the Huskies, uh, Bob Rondo and Tony Castricone, were both there as well. So a lot of uh, friendly faces on the sidelines. That was fun to see. Yeah, um, it's always great seeing Bob Rondo. You know, that, that guy, it, it's funny because, um, you know, not to get too off topic, but Kevin Clabro was calling the, the shot for Damon Lillard last night as Portland beat Oklahoma City. Last second shot, 50-footer or 40-footer, whatever it was, um, that he made. But, um, I, I, you know, and Rondo and, and Calabro kind of come from that same school. They got the great voices. They got their nice little quips that they'll throw in, the, the subtle little jabs that they'll throw in, different things. And uh, I, I just love Bob Rondo. Well, you know, guys of our generation yeah, grew up with them. I grew up with, yeah, like you. I, you know, you and I are only two, two years, three years apart. So, um, you know, I, I remember listening to Bob Rondo on, on the broadcast on Como and then it was on KJR and then back to Como and all that. And, um, growing up with it, you know, I could have only wished that someday I would be able to meet Bob Rondo. And then I, you know, we're not friends or anything where he's calling me up. Hey Scott, you want to go out and grab a beer? But Whenever he sees me, he comes up, hey, Scott, how are you doing? You know, and, and really takes an interest in what you're – and I never would have thought that that would ever be my life. And and that's the really cool thing about what we do is um, I get to meet people that I followed and, and was – that was part of my childhood. And I get to meet them now and, and to – to talk to them and, and hear some of their stories. And Bob Rondo has some great stories. If you guys ever get a chance to meet him, just, just list, just sit and listen. Don't ask him questions. Just sit and listen to him talk because he'll give you some good stuff. Well, and then he's got that, that, that great voice. voice. Right? Oh like, my God. Why would you ever want to not listen to that voice? Yeah. I, I keep thinking of, uh, what was the, who's the, uh, RV place that he did the, or I think he did sunset, sunset Chevrolet for a little while. And, he he's just done all these different car places, and I always just think of him when when I when I hear those those ads. It's just it's crazy. So yeah, I mean he's just such a great guy. I saw him come over and talk to you for a little bit and everything. Just great guy. No, fantastic. And loves football because he has season tickets to the Seahawks too. Sure. So I, I remember seeing him at a game, a Husky game obviously because he's calling it at the Husky Stadium. And then the next day, this is when I had season tickets to the Seahawks. He, his was only one section over from mine. Yeah. And so he and I would run into each other at Seahawk games too. Well, what would, what would be really cool is to be able to shadow him for a game when now he can become a full fan because I guarantee you his fandom's going to start mm-hmm. coming out. And then that's when you're really going to start to hear some great stuff. So that would have been, that would be a fun, that would be a fun thing to, to be able to try. To yeah. And he, he told me, uh, I think it was last year that he just wasn't going to listen to Tony, um, on the broadcast. I think it was only because he's like, I don't want him to, I don't want Tony to ever feel like I'm looking over his shoulder or whatever, or, and, and he said, I just want him to be his own guy and, and have, have this become his job instead right. of it being Bob Rondo's old job right. kind of thing. And, you know, Bob has a lot of respect for Tony. I, at least that's what I gather from, from talking to him. And Tony has done everything he can to milk Bob, uh, Bob Rondo's knowledge of things and, and learn from him. I mean, I, I did an interview with Tony last year and Tony said, learning from a guy like Bob Rondo is just, it's invaluable for me 
to to be able to see that guy go to work and what he does and learn learn different things that he was able to do. Yeah, what's really interesting is that when Tony was working for IMG back in we're talking like 2010, mm-hmm. that's where he had an initial connection with Washington because he was actually yep. working with Bob Rondo. He was just it, doing it out of North Carolina, I think, right? Correct. Yeah. He was doing it as part of their production team. So which that was that was really interesting and I, you know, it's it's amazing how these things kind of come full circle. You never really know mm-hmm. how things are going to land and, and how things are going to fall yeah. your way. And, you know, as a parent, you got to impart on your kids what wisdom you can impart. And one of mine is going to be you always treat people well because you never know who you're going to need and run into later in your life. And you always treat people the best that you can anyway. But think about the fact that it could mean your future. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. I mean, Tony went from a guy who was doing IMG work in North Carolina and doing three-hour-plus round trips to Clemson to cover mm-hmm. basketball games, and now he's the voice of the Huskies. Mm-hmm. So you, you just never know how these things are going to change yep. around. So let's wrap this thing up, Scott. Um, give people a quick taste of the, the recruiting stuff that's going to come out and, and what they should expect to see on that angle for spring event. Yeah, so uh, just for those who don't know or they don't check the recruiting board, um, I got a hold of Rome Odunzi, the, the wide receiver out of uh, Bishop Gorman, uh, who was here on Monday, and he loved his visit. Um, check it out. It's on our front page. Go check it out. Um, as far as who's going to be here, I got texts from several kids. Um, I'll just give you a quick preview. A lot of the local big-name guys, Sam Heward, um, Savelle Smalls, Jabez Tanay, those guys are all going to be here. Mecca Egbuka, the guy from uh, the wide receiver prospect, from, or I guess it would be DB athlete prospect, out of Stillcom, one of the top guys in the country for 2021. He uh, will not be there on uh, Saturday because he has a baseball and seven-on-seven going on, but he does plan to come up on Sunday, and, he's, and he says, I'll probably bring Sam Heward with me so we can hang out. Um, so, um, that's kind of the guys that I've, and then, uh, Ethan Calvert, um, is coming up. He's Josh Calvert's younger brother and he will be up. He's a 2021 linebacker from Oaks Christian. Already has an offer. Already has an offer from UW. And then, um, there was another one that Greg put out, Greg Biggins put out, and I can't remember who it is. Uh, but it's an athlete out that doesn't have an oh, I'm sorry, a DB, one of the top DBs in California that doesn't have an offer from Washington yet. But he really likes the Huskies quite a bit, and uh, he's supposed to come up. So, um, I'll, But I'll have a list up Friday morning. Well, should we tease the, the five-star running back, too? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't even remember him. Bijan uh, Robinson. Bijan Robinson um, from um, – not Saguaro. Um, South Point? South Point Catholic. Mateo yeah. Mele's. Mateo Mele's school. Yeah. And he's coming up with Mateo's family, uh, which you correctly said. It's ironic because Mateo is not going to be playing most likely. He doesn't, 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 doesn't look, look like, like it. it. Doesn't look like it. We, it's hard to say, but yeah. it doesn't look like he's going to play. So, um, But he's going to come up with his family, and, and he's pretty excited about it. Um, now, I did ask him if he was coming up in May still, and that's still up in the air. Because uh, he had planned to come up in May, and but it sounds like it just worked out for him to come up this th- this weekend, and um, so I, I doubt he comes in May, but I, I'm going to find out for sure. Um, but other than that, I, I still expect there will be a few more names that we can add to that list that people are really going to want to know about. I mean, there's there's probably going to be a lot more recruits there, but not necessarily guys that are going to be after pretty hard. But I, I think. I think you'll have about four to five other guys that Washington fans will want to know about that are going to be there. Okay. So so for all those Washington fans really interested in the recruiting thing, 
Scott will have his list out Friday, yeah. worst case Saturday morning, first thing, yeah. um, and then obviously spring spring event, and then we're done. It's it, unbelievable how fast this went. Yeah. Unbelievable how fast well, this c- went. Considering I'm going through a move right now, yeah. and uh, so every waking moment I wasn't here, I was packing up our house, yeah. and so it has gone by unbelievably fast for me. We're actually moving on Friday. If anybody's wondering what you know, if we need help, you're more than welcome to help. Just get, send me a message. I'll, I'll be happy to. <laughs> and, heck, if you guys want some, some uh, Dogman-exclusive recruiting info, I'll be happy to share it. We could use as many hands as possible. So, uh, but that being said, totally joking, uh, but that being said, um, you know, we're, it, you could not be more right. It has flown by. It's hard to believe we're almost into May. That's going to fly by because we're going to have tons of recruiting info because the coach is going to be out on the road um, starting on, I'm, I'm thinking on Monday, but it might be more like on the first, uh, which would be Wednesday, um, that they'll go out on the road and they can be out there for four weeks. And there's a certain amount of hours they can, it's, it's kind of weird the way they work, or a certain amount of days that they can be on the road and out doing different things. And they can only see recruits like twice during this time, once for an evaluation, once for, once for a physical evaluation, like a, watching them play a sport or do go through a practice or whatever. And another one for an academic evaluation. So, so one coach can be there for a physical one. And then maybe a week later they go for an academic one. So it's kind of funky the way they work all that out. Um, so that'll be May. Then we get to June. Then we have the seven on seven tournament. Then we have the, um, then we have the dirt dog camp. We have the, uh, Rising Stars Camp, and we have the huge barbecue that they have to welcome all the elite players. Then we get in July. There's not a lot going on in July, and then guess what? Season starts. I mean, it's it's just it's great fall camp. Yeah, it's just crazy how fast it's going. Yep. So again, uh, just to last time we'll pip it already for the for the spring, but uh, this is a great time to sign up for our emailing list for our newsletters. We put them out at least once a day. And especially with tomorrow, Thursday, is the first day of the NFL draft. So you're looking for guys like Byron Murphy or Taylor Rapp, Caleb 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 McGarry, guys like that. They could be drafted in the first round or second round. The first round is on uh, Thursday. Friday is what, second, Second. third round? No, just second. Just second. And then Saturday is is third through seven. It might be second and third now now that you made me think about it. But I thought it was first and second or just those first two days. And then three through seven is is on Saturday. Right. So whatever point, it is. Yeah, point being is there's going to be a lot of news coming out, mm-hmm. and you can get it in digest form through your inbox and your email. If you just send an email to huskystadium at gmail.com with the subject line newsletter, we'll make sure you get signed up. And then that way, any breaking news out of the draft, any news that comes out of the spring preview, if a, if a kid decides to commit – during the spring you preview, know. you never know. It's possible. We'll have that breaking news as well. You can get it in your inbox. So, again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We'll make sure to get all that breaking news and all that uh, kind of daily goodness in your inbox. So, again, we have one more to go. Washington will have a practice on Friday. It's closed to the media. And then Saturday will be the 15th practice of spring. The spring preview starts at noon. So come out. It's free. Everything is, you know, it's, it'll be fun. Is that um, when they, they're also doing the one of the regattas, right? The Yeah, I think there's also some other sports. Softball, that are going on. softball game? Typically, maybe? they try to add some other events to make it a full day for families to come out and enjoy. 
So there should be a bunch of stuff to for, for everybody to watch. But again, spring game at 12 o'clock. It'll be on Pac-12 Networks if you can't. Come. Only an hour of it, though, right? I don't know. They don't do the full two hours, I don't think. Well, when Oregon did their spring game. They oh, they did the on. whole full Yeah, full they thing. did the whole thing. So, again, I expect it's going to be a full deal. They'll have the Pac-12 Networks guys will be all here doing their coverage for it. But, again, um, <laughs> end of spring went by so fast. But we're really appreciative of all the people that, that, that listened in to what we're doing. Uh, we'll have one more for you after the spring preview is done. And then we'll probably take a little bit of a break and come back at you. When we got podcast more, yeah, when we got a little bit more recruiting and those kinds of things going on with the May evaluation period. So for Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs.